This is The Legal Impact, the weekly show presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications for JD and graduate programs. Learn more and apply at law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Today, I'm joined by Professor Buzz Schur, Director of the International Criminal Law and Justice Program. You can learn more about that great program at law.unh.edu slash ICLJ. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that today. We're going to talk about some uh, new resources that are, or expanded resources, uh, in addition to new resources that are available in New Hampshire that uh, I'd imagine, especially in your role as on the police commission in Portsmouth as your side gig, uh, will have a tremendous impact. Uh, let's start off with uh, mental health mobile crisis units. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's something that's uh, been in the in the uh, offing for a few years, but it's really kind of the... the, the focus and the work on has really ramped up in the past six months or so. The idea is uh, when it's all fully up and running to have uh, 10 mobile crisis units throughout New Hampshire and when to deal with people in crisis, mm-hmm. having mental health crises. And when uh, the, when a person calls nine, eventually there'll be a, a dedicated number, 988, the 988 uh, dispatcher will then uh, contact the mobile crisis unit as well as the local police department and say, we got to call a person in crisis at this address. They'll, ideally, they'll have taken enough information and they will decide whether to send the police or to send uh, the mobile crisis unit, which has in it uh, 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 mental health professionals. And what was the existing setup for something like this? Was it there calling, wasn't there wasn't anything at all, right? Right. Uh, I mean, some jur- some counties have had better resources and more flexible resources than others, but um, it was a matter of you know people would call nine one one when they had a partner, a sibling, a parent, child in having a mental health crisis, and they'd most often or not, not knowing what else to do, they'd call nine one one and they'd get sent to the police. So more often than not, then way more often than not, the police would be sent to the scene. Um, it, it may be a circumstance that involved uh, risk of violence, or it may not be. Um, but nonetheless, the police would were the ones in the first. They were instance. it. Like there they was, were like, it. was no because, one else because the criminal justice system. Uh, and social services in New Hampshire are very under-resourced. Mm. And so the default, the, the sad default has historically been, we'll deal with mental health crises through the criminal justice system. And that's a bad, generally speaking, a bad thing to do. And it's a function of uh, resources not being dedicated to something that's very important. This is seems to me like an expansion of criminal justice reform that's been a focus for uh, it's been my entire span. I've been in law school for eleven years. It's always been something that I've heard a lot of professors talking about and yeah, I can, uh, uh, I Supreme can Court you. talking on it. I've uh, it's been it's been a focus of mine for forty years now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's you know the value. Speaking you know as a police commissioner, mm. uh, the value for the police department is you know we we have over the past ten years or so continue to increase our reliance on police officers to deal with people having a mental health crisis. 
Uh, and so, to their credit, a number of police departments have have been training their officers up to deal with this. But you know, there's only so much they can do. There's only so much they can do, and. That's not the right way to do it. You know, you should, in the first instance, be thinking about a mental health professional. There was an organization, uh, an uh, entity called uh, Beacon Health, I think it is, or a national group. They they implemented this mobile crisis unit uh, process in the state of Georgia. And what they, I hear what they found, I haven't read the study yet, but I hear what they found is... Over 90% of the calls they got did not involve any risk of violence. Um, and now, I don't know how that'll translate to New Hampshire, number one, or mm. whether it'll be that high in, in New Hampshire. Georgia is certainly a different state than New Hampshire. But if, you know, if the Portsmouth Police Department or the Concord Police Department were to reduce the number of mental health calls person in crisis calls that they would have to respond to by 50 percent mm-hmm. you know they get a lot of those calls yeah uh and you know the portsmouth police department which is a department of you know portsmouth is a city of twenty-three thousand people about you know they get 1200 calls a week of all mm-hmm. sorts it's a little unclear they, they, don't, they don't have the software yet to understand how those calls break down, but I think there's a strong belief that it, a, a large number of them involve people in crisis. Well, well, I mean, even if it's not that large a percentage of them, from if you want to just go bare bones, just government managing money perspective, it's a huge liability for police departments to be putting their officers in these situations. There's been a ton of mainstream coverage over police officers not doing what they were supposed to, whether they were following training or not. It's an enormous liability that the city or the state will then have to deal with if something goes wrong. Very much so. And, um, you know, the challenge is, one, kind of changing the culture relating to the mentally ill. That is, the general public believes, I believe, the general public pretty solidly believes that the group of people who are mentally ill are a more dangerous group than the general population. And in fact, the complete opposite is true. You know, all of the, all of that group of people with serious mental illnesses they're a less dangerous population than the general public. Um, and uh, so it's getting communities to accept that the kind of thing we're talking about, the mobile crisis units, are are better ways to deal with it because the huge majority of the calls are not going to be involving people in crisis who are dangerous. You know, right. there will be some of those, and it'll be the job of the dispatcher. Right now, the 911 dispatcher um, uh, who sends it either to the police department, local PD, or or the mobile crisis unit, and eventually the 988 operator, to discriminate uh, who to send it to and whether you know, what it's about. And, you know, that's a challenge, and they'll have yeah. to— More training. More train train up, like, 911 operators uh, to, to be more—to— uh, to understand how to make those decisions. It's like, you know, weird comparison. It's like being an air traffic controller. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's all it's a lot of stuff moving around, and yeah. there's there's physical movement, and then in addition to technical movement of where calls go and And forward, making and timely judgments. Very quick. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, that's part of the challenge. But in you know these are regional units, mm-hmm. um, and um, which is nice because they're more likely to maybe be familiar if there's a someone that's getting on a regular basis getting calls. Like I, I didn't I live in Concord and work in Concord obviously because I'm at the law school, and I'd imagine they're getting the I see the same guys on the corner that you can tell they have issues going on whether it's substance or mental health, and the the police know how to deal with them, and if yeah. they can be more someone that's more attuned to what's going on with that individual from a professional side they may know long term be able to resolve things yeah and that you know that that uh acquisition of experience with individuals by the community mental health center in 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 portsmouth at seacoast mental health uh either the acquisition independent of the police department of a sense of who these people are and what their needs are over time um, and perhaps uh, getting from the, you know, connecting with the police department, which I anticipate will happen, to know that, you know, uh, yeah, we, we get calls. We get three or four calls from AJ every week, and, you know, he's he's seeing things, but here's what we do. Um, and yeah. We talk him through it, and he's not a, he's not a dangerous guy. And, you know. Um, yeah. And a cop may not necessarily know that. He's yeah. new on the job. He's not looking at medical records or anything like that. Right. So, you know. It's a work in progress. They're in operation in several regions in New Hampshire. They, it's work. It's in the seacoast. They don't have the nine eight eight number, um, and it's kind of a, a, a slow ramp up. They want to get it right. They need to train up the nine one one operators, and that's going on. But it's a wonderfully cooperative venture between DHHS at the state level, between the regional 911 operators uh, and police departments. Um, And, you know, speaking again as a a police commissioner, this system doesn't cost the police department any extra money. And we shall see whether, you know, staffing-wise, to what extent it will save the police department, any police department, uh, money in terms of not needing to continue to increase the size of the police force, given hopefully a reduction in their need to go out on so many of these calls. Yeah, something for people who don't live in New Hampshire or are familiar with New Hampshire law enforcement. Every town basically has a police department in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. which is someone who grew up in Maine. That was a very different thing. Like we got to see the sheriff. Yeah, primarily. the sheriff. You know, New Hampshire is very focused on uh, on uh, city by city or town by town police department. Sheriffs are uh, operate at the county level, and uh, uh, they tend to do more, have more civil responsibilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they also have some responsibilities in criminal cases, but the primary uh, uh, agency responsible is the local police department mm-hmm. and. So um, we hope, you know, this will be probably it will be, you know, close to a full year before everything is operating full bore in every county. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're learning from experience now. um, And um, I'm I'm very optimistic. Are you have you heard anything about maybe how they're going to handle the differences between a larger county like Merrimack versus a co-os county? Yep. Um, uh, or for that matter, uh, uh, Rockingham County. You know, the, the mobile vans are, again, in 10 regions. They will, uh, if, when things are fully up and running, 
the 988 dispatcher will see perhaps that the uh, the Seacoast regional van is on a call right now and the you know upper seacoast the inland dover rochester uh summersworth uh uh unit is uh available and they'll send them down so they're one of the reasons it's it's uh it's regional and with a uh, some state oversight is for that very reason mm-hmm. we, we don't want to well too bad you know don't have anybody available in this region. We only got one van and or one van or one unit or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so yeah, they're they're paying close attention to that. Are other states already doing anything like this? Uh, Georgia's doing it. Um, it's my understanding. I, I still haven't talked to the person who's in charge down there, which I'm I, I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, uh, the uh, in the state of Washington. I don't know if it's Seattle. Or the entire state, but or excuse me, Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Eugene. Maybe it seems like a lot of individual cities rolled yeah, it out. Yeah, I think in Eugene or Portland, mm-hmm. they have a program called Cahoots, C A H O O T S, and it's a cooperative venture. A little bit different than this, but the goal is exactly the same, to, in the huge majority of calls, to get mental health professionals to the scene rather than, in the first instance, relying on police officers. It looks like Eugene, Oregon. Yeah, Eugene. That's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, what's what's nice about probably doing it at the state level is it'll be easier to kind of long-term over a year. We get it rolled out, and then a year after that, we hopefully have some data to figure out where resources are really going to be needed. Very much so. You know, and it's easier in a state like New Hampshire. It's only got, what, 1.3 million people. You know, Oregon's a lot bigger state than New Hampshire, but Eugene is a manageable area. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think in the long term, it remains to be seen whether – a uh, statewide basis, a regional basis, or a county basis, yeah. or a municipality. But, you know, it remains to be seen. I think there are different models that are mm-hmm. going to work depending on where it's happening. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a Concord, a Manchester, or Portsmouth might have their own unit just because of the volume of people that are there because they're kind of the biggest cities in the state. Yes, uh, yes, but um, if we can keep doing it this way, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, I just we just need to see what the volume looks like. And mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, because most police departments don't keep detailed enough data yeah. to be able to say. Because it's not what they do. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to have a, 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 a we have two law students from the law school uh, working uh, as a part of an ABA consortium on police, uh, police practices. And they're working as their two fellows. Um, and we've just onboarded them, and um, uh, the police chief in Portsmouth has agreed to have them work on projects in Portsmouth. And one of them is going to get uh, a, a large enough sample of the calls that come in, you know, in a week in January, a week in April, a week in July, a week in October, just to get some variation, and look at all those calls. They know they can look at police calls logs and see what the call was about mm-hmm. but they can't it takes more much more work 
to examine the tail of the call. That yeah. is, what did it actually turn out to be? Who did we send there? Because it's very different. Yeah. Often. Oh, very different. Um, and so that, that you know, that's a kind of data collection that will be really helpful in sorting this all out. I'm assuming uh, uh, criminal justice attorneys and just people who work on the civil side of, of things also are uh, looking forward for uh, the the filtering of legal services to being differently for how instead of people going through the criminal justice system, maybe they'll be going through the mental health system. Yeah, very much so. Um, in the first instance, it'll be an opportunity to get people uh, to, I, t- I hate to talk in this way, but to better treatment modalities. Yeah. You know, the criminal justice system is the least effective treatment modality yeah. when it comes to mental, serious mental illness. Um, and we are now acting on that. I mean, this is such a great uh, project uh, to really bring uh, a better way of handling it to life. With the 988 number that's going to be implemented in July, I want to say. Ideally July. And and that's just, so people who, and this is New Hampshire specific, and what's interesting to consider with this is they actually have to change how phone, phone calls work because of that. So you now can't can't just dial the seven-digit number. You now need to do the area code, and my cell phone already yells at me when I'm trying to call the pizza place with that contact. Yeah, we're going to um, we're gonna have to uh, do a lot of uh, PSAs, public service mm-hmm. announcements, to get the right people knowledgeable. You know, the police department, you know, we've already, you know, uh, uh, myself and uh, a member of the police department who's working on this project and uh, somebody from Chico's Mental Health who's in charge of this project from their end, we're going to, once it gets up and running with a 988 number, we're going to write an article for the local newspaper and and other newspapers on the seacoast to get as much publicity for this as possible. We'll have public information sessions, and we really want to get this in the hands of the people who uh, need it. Mm-hmm. You know, caregivers for people with serious mental illness, those the those with the mental illness themselves, you know, roommates, family, just everybody. So, you know, it's it's a sea change. You know, everybody mm-hmm. everybody knows nine one one. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and well, you know, it will still have a, a connection. If the nine one one operator gets a call and it sounds like a person mm-hmm. in crisis, they'll be able to send it to the nine eight eight dispatcher. Yeah, but it does just to go back. You know, you can see just talking about it, it puts a lot of pressure on the operators mm-hmm. to do a lot of important discriminating about where to send the call. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to really see what these records end up doing and yeah. what this the track record ends up showing because it'll be it could be an example for other states that want to implement similar services. Very much so. Very much so. Thanks for listening to Legal Impact, presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Get the back episodes of the show and podcast links at law.unh.edu slash podcast.